people, welcome to Private Equity Laid Bare podcast. And today we are going to do PhDs Laid, laid Bare. And our guest is Mike Weisbach, one of the most accomplished uh, financial economists uh, alive. And um, so we are very lucky to uh, have him with us. And in fact, he has even written a book about how to succeed uh, in a PhD and in academia in general. And I thought it was great to have in this podcast because one of the questions I often get is people saying, I have five years, 10 years or 20 years work experience in this industry. I want to do a PhD. Uh, it shouldn't be that hard. You know, I'm just going to do like, let's say a thesis on ESG and, and returns. I'm just going to collect data on ESG or different funds, look at the return and talk about the correlation. That would be my thesis. That's it. How, how hard can it be? And, and I have a hard time to try to explain that it's kind of a job and a craft. Um, and, and Mike, I think you, you've put it extremely well in your book. Um, you've given an amazing gift to uh, the academic community, but also the wannabe academic community. Um, and so it's great to have you. And, and, and if you could say, you know, what would be the key tips or the key advice you would give to these people saying, I'm looking into doing a PhD academia I have this romantic view of it and, and, and you saying, well, you know, this is the craft. What, what, what would be the key points for people to know? Okay. Well, th thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Ludo. Uh, uh, I, re I really appreciate it. And it's a great uh, endeavor you're doing here on, on, on private equity laid bare. Um, uh, but I mean, let me just take a step back and think when, when you start a PhD, it's, it's something that one of the problems people have is they don't quite understand what, involved with a PhD. So when you're, if you want a PhD and study private equity, basically that means you have to become a professional economist, which means you have to learn tons of stuff that's unrelated to private equity about, you know, private, you know, general equilibrium and moral hazard and econometrics and you, you name it, we, we do it. And so um, it's, it's not, just that you need to sort of know about private equity, but you need to know a hundred other things. And the other thing is that you're sort of becoming a, a different kind of scholar. Like I remember when we were, um, when I was running a private equity center uh, way back when I taught at the University of Illinois, we, we had some, uh, some donors who gave us some money and they said they want to fund research. And they said, and they said, what we'd like you to do is do research in what sectors are going to be hot next year. And we had a kind of an awkward conversation because in academia, we don't do research like this. You know, we try and study sort of bigger picture questions and see um, the extent to which, uh, the extent to which we can sort of relate the data about an institution like private equity to sort of general theories about the world. And in order to understand that, you kind of need to know the general theories about the world. So that um, I, I, I don't know how much you've talked about your own research, Ludo, but uh, in, in this podcast, but, but I will just say that one, one of Ludo's well-known papers really kind of tries to talk about what the returns to private equity really have been. And one of the hard things about private equity is the data are kind of very difficult to use and you only have cash flows at least every so often and the data is all private. And, um, and so what, what you did, Ludo, if I can summarize, is to sort of synthesize how you take all these data and 
which isn't isn't perfect, is, is far from perfect from academics' perspective. We're used to dealing with stocks and bonds that trade every day and for which everything is public and see to what extent do they earn an abnormal return. And, and there's just a whole lot of statistics involved with that. And it's kind of not obvious how, how you do it. And, um, and so I guess that what I'm saying is that the whole thing is, is both much more involved than the exercise that you described that practitioners would sort of say that they do, and also much more um, sophisticated and, and sort of much more conceptual than many practitioners kind of think it is. Because when we go to conferences, we try and tailor our, our work to kind of a practitioner audience. But in order to be a successful academic, you have to also be able to talk to academics and you have to sort of follow all the rules of our research, which, which sometimes seem convoluted, but underneath it all, they, they sort of make sense. Ludo, did, yeah. I, did I answer your question or is that kind yeah, of- Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think that's, that's very much uh, coherent with, with my experience. So it, it's like the framing is, is a big deal, right? So it, it, it's often people would say, you know, I, I want to study, you know, whether, whether larger funds earn higher returns. Per se, that's not a good academic question, but you can make it an academic question if you frame it in a certain way relating to theories of about these economies of scale, difficulty to communicate soft information, so on and so forth that people have studied. So it's a lot about the, the, the framing. And I think your book is spending quite some time about explaining how you write an introduction, how you motivate things and making people realize that this is like very, very, very important. Most people, especially young people, young researchers think that that doesn't matter. One of the things my TC supervisor told me was, you're spending a lot of time on data. I've always been a data fan. You need to spend as much time on the writing as you did on your data, as your rule of thumb. If you spend three, six months working on your data, it's three, six months of writing what you have seen. And right. that's, you know, that's, that's a good rule of thumb. Um, a famous, famous financial economist that I'm sure Ludo knows named John Cochran told me that he spends three times as much or maybe it was five times as much time writing as he did on the actual data analysis. Amazing. And John's a very good writer to begin with. So yeah, yeah, it's what I was going to say. So and, and if you read Cochrane, it, it looks like, you know, he, he wrote it like he speaks, right? Because it does feel like, you know, it doesn't make a particular effort as well to write well, because a lot of people think that it's about writing in like in a poetic way. If you read Cochrane in particular, it's particularly like, unsophisticated writing in the sense that very short sentences to a point, like bullet points almost, right? There is no effort on like making it poetic, but it's quite amazing what you say. I, I didn't know that like even he would say, you know, I, it takes me like a lot to write that. And indeed when you read him, it's easy to read, but, but it is a lot of work to make something easy to read. Yes, yes, yes. But it's not, it's not just the, the actual writing itself, but it's the way of understanding the questions and, and you know, to be successful in, in academia, you have to come up with questions that aren't just of interest to the people in the private equity world today, but are going to be of interest to them in 15 years and going to be interest of, to other, I mean, one of the criticisms we have is that, of, of us is that we, we tend to write to, for each other too much, which I think is correct. But that being said, you have to, be successful as an academic, you have to learn how to write for other academics. We 
When, when we're not dealing with practitioners, we were, we're killing each other through the refereeing process and, um, and so we in discussing papers at conferences. And so you have to really follow the rules of academia and, you know, which basically, you know, involved means learning statistics very well, learning how to handle data very well, learning economic theories very well, and really how to marry all that with, 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 uh, with uh, studying an institution like private equity. Yeah, I have like actually a current case where a student who was working in private equity comes in with like, you know, I know everything, how it works. It will take me no time to write my thesis. You know, in like my first month, I will write about whether, you know, there is a positive correlation between women in, in the private equity fund and their returns. The second month, I will write about, you know, and he gives me three topics, I guess. That's my three chapters and I'm done. Actually, this guy now submitted his thesis and, and I've read it and he's pretty much reading like this. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's hard to convey this idea that there are some rules about how you write, how you frame, et cetera. And I wouldn't walk into a private equity fund saying, I know how to do a deal. Like, don't, you know, I don't need any lecture about how I need to talk to people, how, you know, I interact with investment bankers, et cetera. I, I know it all. I'm just going to execute a deal by myself. And, and, but we do have a lot of people assuming that academic research is just like that. You know, if they know the topic, they just write and it's done. Um, and and it, it, it's very hard for me to convey that. So how did you do that in your book? Like, how do you manage to convince people that there are some rules of a game that, that are different from other type of professions? Well, I, I hope I convinced people in the book. Uh, the book hasn't been published yet, but hopefully uh, people seem, seem, seem to like it. I think that, um, you, you know, I mean, I, I think the book is written for people who, who want to be academics and who kind of have to understand um, what, and trying to help them understand what they're getting into and also succeed once they become academic. So, so I mean, the thing about the example I always give in, in class to, to hopefully I don't scare my new doctoral students too much is to tell them that, you know, their friends that go to law school or medical school will work their tails off. I mean, those are hard programs, but the point is that when you enter those programs, your parents can like reserve a hotel at the campus in, uh, at the hotel on the campus uh, for the day of graduation, because they know that if you enter on this day, you will be graduating on this day. In doctoral programs, everything is much more uncertain. You have to basically write a thesis that states that increase the, uh, extends the boundary of what we know as a profession. And we know a lot. Um, and so, simply doing the kind of correlations that Ludo, uh, that, you're, that you're laying out is, is not gonna make it at, at a good university. I mean, it just, it just, there's a lot of, I mean, we could, Ludo and I could probably go on for 20 minutes or an hour about all the things that are wrong with the kind of the studies that he's, simplistic studies that he's outlining um, in his questions. So, uh, you know, I think that, that, that in order to, if you're thinking of doing a PhD, you have to realize that it's, it's a little bit like, um, you know, becoming an academic, you sort of have to immerse your life in, in this research thing and immerse your life in a, in a life of scholarship. And, um, and it has to be something you really, you really want to do. And it, it's not something you kind of do as a hobby, you know, kind of when you're sick of doing deals as a, as a GP. It's something yeah, some people you have want to sort of become uh, a professional at 
and and there's a lot of aspects of that that uh, both technical ones and also understanding how to you know write papers and review papers and uh, present your papers in a way that that makes sense. Um, yeah, I do get people saying like, look, can I do a part-time PhD because you know I'm 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 working in PhD, so I'm working in private equity, so I can do a part-time PhD because I don't need to work as hard as the other guy. So you know, I do it on the side in the evening. I will write something, and that will be my PhD thesis. So I, I you know, that's the prior of people already. It's, it's about like you know, if I write a book about private equity, I'm done, right? And 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 that's right. not where yeah. it is. Yeah, no, no, it's 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 a different. That's one of the things that is frustrating to. Uh, to to us us who do who do are in academia is that you know we our relatives never quite understand what we do and certainly people on the street never quite understand what we do and um, because the to to document something in a systematic fashion that is um, is sort of beyond at the standards of which 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 Ludo and I are, are expected to to do our research is is not not nearly as simple as, as it sounds. And and so in your book, I believe you you, you finish. I'm going to fast forward to the epilogue. You, I think you have twelve things to to be a successful person. So so what are the twelve? Oh, what are the twelve? Oh boy, I better look at myself. I don't I don't remember. Uh, so I, I, <laughs> you don't remember what it takes to be successful. Right here. Uh, and, um, okay, so. The first thing is that uh, I, 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 some, a, stole, a term I stole from venture capitalists, and that is you should be a, a hunter. You want to pick out projects that you want to do that, uh, that you don't want people telling you what to do. Uh, you want to sort of think about forming a research portfolio, a portfolio of projects that, that will kind of, which the sum total of all your different research will be more than your individual projects together. You want, you want to take advantage of your own talents, your own skills, and use them to, uh, to further, further your research. So if those of you who are coming in from private equity, I don't mean to discourage you from doing research in private equity. Both Ludo and I have chosen private equity as a field to focus on because it's an incredibly important part of the economy that we don't understand all that well. So that that all that means it's a great great study topic to study. Um, you know, I think that as Ludo was saying, the write-up is as important as your research. So when you have to learn how to write a paper that was explained your research in a way that is compelling to the reader and explains what you think of as the contribution and also explains what the limitations of your research are. Um, you have to kind of understand about how, when you write a paper, to write it in a way that make the readers will see the, the, best, the best message of your paper um, and the introduction of your paper is, is, uh, is so important because most of the time, the sad fact is you spend your, your whole life writing these long papers and the only thing anyone reads is the, um, is the introduction. Okay. Um, the last thing I would say is that academia is, is, is a really, I mean, I've skipped a few of these um, points, but academia is just a wonderful career if you, if you enjoy it. So I think of it as sort of, it has to be your DNA. So in other words, if you have to, if you want to immerse your life into it and spend your life doing research and teaching great students, it's just a fantastic career. I, I don't understand why people leave it or why people complain about it, but, uh, but it has to be something you, you make and, and you have to work at you know, both uh, 
uh, to succeed, you have to, you know, become have established a reputation as a scholar, um, and it has to, you know, it really has to be a worldwide reputation, which isn't so easy to do because there's lots of people who want to uh, get these jobs. And, um, and but but if you like to do the scholarship and you like to present your research and you like to teach your students, uh, I strongly encourage you to do it. But only if that if it has to that has to be you. Okay, and you yeah, know yourself sometimes. better than anyone else. So, and and so if that's to... you, I would sort of think about going into a PhD, but not do it kind of as a part-time job and not do it just kind of your, because you're bored of your rest of your life. Yeah, and sometimes I say uh, as a test that, you know, take any of the papers that we write, you know, take this department, take the papers of Tim Jenkinson, my colleagues, et cetera, right? When a, a person applies to Oxford, and I say, do you see yourself spending two years of your life writing just any one of his papers, right? Two years of your life every day, just on that one thing. And, and if you say yes, then that's in your DNA. If you say there's no way, then it's going to be tricky. So that, that's a rule. Uh, it's kind of a mini test I give to people to try to, to test whether it's in their DNA. Do, do you have such a test that you advise people? I, that's, that's as good as I heard. I mean, I think that's really, really great. I mean, you know, that... The idea that you would spend every waking moment writing a 30 page paper uh, and you spend every waking moment for six months or a year um, is not something that most people kind of can understand. Yeah. Right? And excellent. And, well, that was fantastic. So, your book is going to be coming out very soon, I believe, right? At Princeton University Press. Right. When, it's Princeton when, University it... Press. You can, if you Google me, it's on my website. You can download it for free for. Uh, another few months until Princeton University Press make, makes me take it down. And then it will be for sale in, uh, I think they said November. So hopefully that they'll keep to the schedule. If that's not, fantastic. November, then shortly after. And that's certainly an amazing gift. So thank you again for writing it. I, I give it to all my students, all the people who plan on applying. We're also trying, I'm trying to push for like a pre-doc program in Oxford so that people get a taste of research before going into a PhD. Um, and, and, and your book is mandatory reading. It's like you first read Mike's book and then you apply and you tell me why. Um, that, that is the, the book that everybody needs to, 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 to read if they're going to plan to do a PhD. So thank you so much for writing it. And, well, thank, uh, thank you, Ludo. And thank, thank you so you. much for your kind words. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you very much. Uh, this was PhDs Laid Bare. Don't forget to subscribe, uh, to like, to give five stars if you liked it. And if you didn't like it, then uh, just don't rate it and uh, tell all the people you do not like to uh, listen to it. Congratulations on your acquisition of one more piece of knowledge. Ciao, ciao.